0: hey brother
1: hola hermano
0: welcome to season six episode 24 of match wits i'm your host steve alongside my seven-year-old 7 year young. yeah they
1: (laughs) nailed it you really stuck that landing yeah that's good one yeah i'm I'm your younger brother by seven years well
0: i tried to break the rhythm thing hey brother Hello, hello brother welcome to season six episode 24 of match wits I'm I'll not cutting Steve.
1: this off. No, I'm not letting you do that. You did it last week, too, where you completely forgot the intro. No, you're leaving that for the fans. I'm not letting you get a clean intro. Nope. I'll nope. Host Steve, alongside nope. my young brother, nah. Chris. Hola, hermano. Nope. Nah, not going to work. You're going to have to leave those 45 seconds of you butt fumbling through this thing. <laughs>
0: Well, I tried to. You don't like the rhythm thing. I don't like it either. So I tried to change it and I no, failed I, horribly. I, I don't
1: care about the rhythm thing. I pointed it out so you feel awkward about it so you yeah. stumble on it every time you do it now. So. Mission accomplished. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Master manipulator. Yeah.
0: Sweet. So yeah. if you made it this far, Matt Switch is a nostalgia mm-hmm. infused pop culture podcast where we go toe to toe on a whole bunch of different things. Uh, stream of Consciousness, some ADD takes over. Um, And we try to stitch it together with uh, stuff from our our past and our our childhood, along with kind of current events and and all things, uh, movies, music, pop culture, that type of stuff. Um, Well, as part of these podcasts, uh, we do what we call a dimwit bet. We usually have a couple of these over the course of the podcast. That's where we will disagree on a topic, which we often do. Uh, We'll do a dollar bet. Chris is up three dollars. Do you remember what last week's uh, was?
1: Ornithologist
0: ornithologist you want a dollar an ornithologist so you're up he three dollars to me who
1: studies bird which I have a feeling you warned me about this five minute clip and if it's a five minute clip of an ornithologist explaining the the predatory habits of bald eagles and we'll walk upstairs I'm done okay
0: no we're not we're not doing that and okay, and, I, and I do I do want to start out on I don't want to say a little bit of a somber note but you know again part of the part of this podcast is you know talking about where we grew up in every Pennsylvania you you know, friends we had and things that we did. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, start this podcast. Just kind of, um, you know, and, and I don't know if you knew him, but Mike McBride, who was uh, kind of oh, ran sorry. with us um, growing up in the, in the group of, of friends that I had um, uh, passed away this week. and oh, geez. Uh, of man. Yeah, no, it it kind of kind of caught me off guard. It's one of those things where I hadn't talked to him in a long time, and uh, but I always remember him as being a a, a, a super cool dude. Uh, the one story I will share, um, it kind of makes me smile a little bit, is uh, we used to go to Tribe Games. Him and I. Uh, he was a big baseball guy. He was like the last guy I remember like keeping book. Remember? <laughs> yeah. And this was probably, I mean, this is twenty years ago, right? This is like I think post college. Uh, when I was back in Erie and, and him and I went, went went to a tribe game uh, and he was keeping book and all that and having some beers and all that. And then, uh, you know, on the on the drive home, um, he falls asleep and I'm, you know, I'm highly caffeinated on like Cherry Coke or whatever. Um, so he falls asleep and I'm driving one of those silly Toyotas that our, our parents had. And uh, I did the I did the trick. Like when somebody falls asleep, like I just... I slammed on the brakes in the middle of I ninety, and I yelled <laughs> "deer," <laughs>
2: no.
0: and and it freaked him out. And we laughed. We had a, we had a good laugh at that. But, anyways, if, if, shout out to shout out to Mike. He was a he was a good dude and passed away far too soon. So again, don't want to start this on a, a, a super somber note, but uh, it, it's going to tie in. And I promise to the listeners out there, I'm going to tie this into. Uh, kind of where we 're going with today 's episode um, there 'll be a, a jumping off point here in a second um, I hope
1: you I hope you know where this episode 's going because you gave me little little to no info about what I should prep for, so yeah i 'm going off the cuff as well. Yeah, so
0: I think, and and again, um, you know, we we, I usually start this out with a you know uh, some pop culture or you know or some some nostalgia and talking about our past and things like that. But I heard this this week. Um, It came out of Comic Con last week, and the topic is Kevin Smith. And I've been toying with the idea. We and, and we've brought Kevin Smith up on a number of occasions on. Uh, on this podcast. Um, and I'd watched Goodwill hunting and we started talking about it in, uh, the last episode, episode 23, touched on it, I think a little bit and wanted want to dive a little bit deeper into that and his impact on that. Um, but I was listening to his, his podcast and, and Kevin Smith in his old age is, um, you know, he's certainly he became a pothead in the last 10 yeah. years. Um, he's got far more emotional, um, than just the kind of the dick and fart jokes that he had early on with with clerks and and and, and some of his early movies, um, so I want to play this clip. It's a long clip, but it, it's it gonna it's gonna it's gonna I think it'd be our good jumping off point for us because he tells this story just to set it up, right? So uh, they're working on Jay and Silent Bob the reboot. So if you're not familiar with Kevin Smith, and you haven't watched any of his movies. Um, He kind of started, he's kind of known for starting with a a black and white film that he made for, keep me honest in this, Chris, like 30 grand. Um, Yeah, if that. Yeah, like 25 years ago, did it all himself with his friends. And it it kind of became a.
1: He maxed out three credit cards. That's how he got all the equipment and got all the film stock and stuff. He took out three credit cards of like (laughs) dudes on the street and got 10 grand limits on all three of them and maxed them all out. And I believe that's the actual, the quick stop that he worked at. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it Red Bank,
0: New Jersey? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's where, wherever Secret Stash is now, or the main headquarters for Secret Stash is. Yeah. But that, that's the legit old, like, where he used to work. That's why he got access to film there and didn't really have to pay a lot for location fees and stuff. And that's why he can make it for 30 grand. So.
0: Exactly. So, so he made he's made a bunch of movies, but that was his jumping off point. That's his claim to fame. So he and he always talked about being a fan first. And he's made a lot of he's 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 kind of gone out there and made a bunch of different movies. He's got like the New Jersey trilogy, which is Clerk, Small Rats, and and um, Chasing Amy. Um, he's done a bunch of other stuff. Again, we'll get into Goodwill Hunting, but the the clip I'm going to play is you know he had a heart attack was it, about a year year and a half ago like a widowmaker yeah. heart attack. He was grossly overweight, um, and he I think he came off stage During one of the spoken word um, uh, events, and he, he damn near died. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since then, he's kind of you know he's lost 150 pounds. Um, yeah,
1: I think he's a Weight Watchers ambassador. E-
0: exactly. Um, so he's making *Jay and Silent Bob* the reboot. So there was a movie called uh, *Was It Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back*?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and they're kind of rebooting that, and it's all about you know twenty years later type of thing. And he's enlisting a lot of of people that were in his other movies. Celebrities like Chris Hemsworth and and things like that are are in this in this reboot. So the story I'm going to play is about Ben Affleck, right? So Ben Affleck was there from the beginning, right? He was cast in Mallrats. He was uh, then the lead Holden in, in Chasing Amy, and then you know jumped off there. And those guys worked together on. Um, you know, Good Will Hunting and, and I think the last movie he was in together was Clerks 2. So I was going to kind of paraphrase this story, but Kevin Smith does such a good job about talk, you know, th- talking the story about how they get Ben Affleck to participate in Reboot. But I also think it brings up an insight into to Kevin Smith and also ties into you know kind of keeping in touch with 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 people and in you know as as you grow up and grow older and grow apart you now how important it is to kind of keep in touch with people so i'm gonna I'm gonna play this clip um and then we'll 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 come back we'll react to it and then we'll go into the kind of the rest of the 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 Kevin Smith universe
3: cool cool all right Kevin McCarthy, his first thing off the bat he just says to Ben just as like you know a warm up or whatever fuck hey, have they called you for Reboot yet? And Ben goes, no, they haven't. And I'm available. And our world stopped. (laughs) You know, everyone in production, you know, because it was on Twitter, and people were like, did you fucking see this? And I was like, oh, oh, that's nice. You know what's nice? But that's some nice shit you say at a junket. You know, like people say shit to me all the time. And I'm like, yeah, of course. But inside, I'm like, I hate that prick.
0: All right, I should probably set that clip up better.
3: Probably, Chris, he's still there. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Um,
0: yeah. Let me do this. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, because he just kind of jumps into it. So, but to, um, give it a little, I'm going to put a little dead air so I can edit out that last piece. So to set up this clip again, this is this is at Comic Con last week. They showed the trailer for the reboot, and he's telling a story about he basically hadn't talked to Ben Affleck in about eight years. Um, and he didn't put him in the script or he didn't do anything. So he's, he's telling the story uh, again about, you know, how, how it came to be that he kind of reconnected with Ben Affleck after all these years, cause there was no, there was no plan on putting him in the movie. Um, uh, and it starts off with him talking about a, a guy doing an interview with Ben Affleck, uh, and he brings up the movie Um, And again, he had, you know, the the movie was already in the process of being shot. they were actually like two weeks into their four week shoot um, when this interview takes place. So let's
3: listen to it. Kevin McCarthy, his first thing off the bat, he just says to Ben, just as like, you know, a warm up or whatever. Fuck. Hey, have they called you for reboot yet? And Ben goes, no, they haven't. And I'm available. And our world stopped. (laughs) You know, everyone in production, you know, because it was on Twitter, and people were like, did you fucking see this? And I was like, oh, oh, that's nice. You know what's nice, but that's some nice shit you say at a junket, you know? Like, people say shit to me all the time, and I'm like, yeah, of course. But inside, I'm like, I hate that prick. You know, like, <laughs> it's just some nice shit to say to a junket. That's not worth following up on. And they were like, you should. You should really poke around. You should. Why don't you reach out to him? Call him. I was like, I haven't spoken to Ben in eight years. I have not spoken to Ben... In a long, long time, I hadn't worked with him since like Clerks 2. He'd never, he hadn't been one of our flicks. But I hadn't just even spoken to him as a person for like eight years and stuff. I thought our friendship was dead, and I never wanted to reach out and find out I was right. You know, it's one thing to think, like, this motherfucker just don't like me anymore because I never hear from this person. It's another thing to have that confirmed if you're like, hey, motherfucker, you like me anymore? And they're like, fuck no. You know, and <laughs> suddenly you're carrying that like a cross for the rest of your life. So, you know, it was better to live in ignorance. Ignorance was bliss and shit. And so my people were pushing me to pop that balloon of ignorance, you know, and potentially open myself up. To- to harm to heartbreak and shit and i've had enough fucking heartbreak so i'm like i don't want to fucking do that like i ain't gonna bother the guy we got our plans we got a movie to make and, and like everything's going fine we got the money for this movie without him we don't need holden to tell this story like we're doing just fine i'm not reaching out and we made the movie for another week and then they kept poking me and i kept ignoring it and then it just started to sit on my chest that i was it wasn't about the movie i was just scared like, I just didn't want to be rejected. I just didn't want to reach out and find out for sure that he was like, fuck you. Because I'd always wondered, like, all those years we made those movies, didn't they mean anything? Like, they meant something to me. Didn't they mean anything to him? Like, we never hear from him anymore. So I never wanted to reach out. Finally, I write this tweet that I'm going to send. And, this, and and Jordan, thankfully, Jay's wife, producer on the movie, right before I sent it, she read it. And she said, don't don't tweet that, just like text it to him. And I was like, I fucking, I, I got a bunch of old numbers. They probably don't work. Like that'd be weird and invasive to send him a text. She's going, it'd be weird attack to send him a tweet in public and shit. <laughs> I was like, good point, good point. And so I texted him and and this, this is what I had texted, man. I, I texted a bunch of shit and I won't read you that, but I closed up and it's relevant to this room because it's from fucking Conan the Barbarian. I said, but to paraphrase the sad old King Osric and Conan the Barbarian, there comes a time when the jewels cease to sparkle, when the gold loses its luster, when the throne room becomes a prison and all that's left is a director's love for the people he used to make pretend with. I sent him that text and I fucking waited with a clenched asshole. Last time, <laughs> last time I spoke to my friend, I was a different person altogether. You know, I was that Kevin Smith. Now I'm that Kevin Smith. And... I've mellowed out incredibly. I've always been fairly mellow, but fucking once I became a stoner 10 years ago, Jesus Christ, I have no pulse whatsoever, man. I'm, you know, very little gets me upset or excited and shit, and I run deep fast. So I run deep and hard and whatnot, and I was afraid that the thing I'd sent to him, he's like, quoting Conan, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, no wonder I haven't reached out to this fool. But my old friend who I came up with like, who I share creative, creative DNA with, who I dream with, who slept on my fucking couch while we made Chasing Amy and shit like that, who I first saw in Mallrats and was just like, why aren't you a fucking leading man, man? Like, you're charming and funny and shit. Funniest fucking dude I know. You should be, like, the lead-in movie. I'm gonna write you a fucking lead-in movie. First time, the guy that I met you know the first day in an audition for mall rats where he came in and i just read about him and his buddies selling a script to castle rock in the hollywood reporter and i was like hey man congratulations i said so you guys sold the spec script and he looked at me shocked, going like how do you fucking know that i was like oh i read the trades he goes you care about that shit i was like i'm yeah i like the entertainment business shit entertainment journalism fascinates me congratulations and shit and he goes you're a fucking fan aren't you <laughs> I just met the fucking guy, man. And right away, I knew I liked him. That guy, who I hadn't reached out to for all that time, so I was terrified of what he'd say, he wrote back this, and it was so perfectly Ben. He wrote back, of course you still liken yourself to a king. (laughs) (laughs) And right then and there, kids, I felt safe. I felt so safe. I was like, oh, my God, I don't care what he says next. I don't care if he says he's busy for the next 10 years. The guy I used to joke around with and shit just texted me the way we used to talk to each other. You got to understand, the ending of our relationship predated SMS. I don't think I'd ever shared a text with Ben Affleck and shit like that. That was like, I I framed that shit. Like, it meant the world to me. And so I said, do you want to come out and play? I said, we're all having a blast here in the past, man. you want to come out and, and play? And he said, I would love to. And he came out. Not only did he come out to do the flick, man, I didn't know what to cast him in because we'd cast everything. There was nothing really left. And I was like, oh, maybe I could make up a part. Maybe I could stick him in this scene or something like that. All of it seemed like a waste because he was coming. He didn't even, like, make us do it in L.A. He's like, oh, I'll come to New Orleans. And so he was making the trip. New Orleans, sorry. Um, <laughs> So he was making the trip, so I was like, "Fucking!" it. I, I fell asleep one night thinking about it. I was like, Jesus, man, I haven't seen him in years, and he's willing to get on a plane, come down here and shoot the scene. Well, you don't even know what it is. I said, I should do something special, fuck. So next morning I texted him, I was like, would you mind playing Holden again? And he was like, I was hoping you would say that. And so I said, all right, give me, give me a minute. I think I could come up with something. And I wrote an eight-page sequel to uh-huh. Chasing Amy like that just follows up like 20 years later and shit like that and functions perfectly within the movie if you see the movie you'll be like wait that scene didn't exist when you started the fucking movie why would you have bothered and shit it it is the emotional culmination of the movie and sends us into a really great place so he came and did the scene, man, like is eight pages. When I sent him the scene, first thing he texted back was like, bro, I have not done this much dialogue in the last three movies I was in. All right,
0: we'll stop there. But so I was listening to that podcast and I thought that was pretty, pretty relevant for, for a couple of reasons. First, you know, um, you know, staying in touch with people. Um, you know that you kind of grew up with and 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 came up with. I think is is an important thing. It's also a hard thing, right? People just grow apart and move around and all sure. that. So I think that's particularly poignant this week. You know, after finding out with, with, with you know that, that Mike has passed away, and then I think as, as watching some of his his movies and and I re- watched Clerks, I watched about half of Chasing Amy, um, and, and listening to that story and in that that vulnerability that he gives up there which is a pretty truthful thing. I think you could look at almost all of his movies and that is at the core, right? He's got this, I want to say a fear, but he he operates from a place where he's really, he's really guarded, right? In terms of the, the, the Silent Bob characters and all of that. But you've got this incredible emotional depth that is shrouded in dick and fart jokes, right? I mean, it's, his, his movies can be really raunchy and they can be really deep. That's what, when we talked about last time, you know, the the idea of this reboot and that they're doing it differently, his daughter's in it, it's got uh-huh. a whole different point of view and he's older now. I'm kind of curious to see whether he's moved from, you know, erring on the side of the humor and having it peppered with depth, if he's going to go, uh, if he's going to go in the other direction. But sure. I just thought that was a really, really good story. A really, I mean, you think about a guy like that. It's like, hey, you know. <laughs> I would rather hold on to this, you know, this idea that, you know, we just we just grew apart and I'm not going to do anything cuz I don't think you like me and I'm I'm, I'm okay not knowing. I'm just going to assume mm-hmm. that we just we're just not talking. So, I just thought that was a pretty pretty touching story and you know, even the way he weaves these these talking shows. I just feel like Kevin Smith's a pretty good storyteller. You know what I mean? Like I think he can well, he yeah. can he can he can get into depth and he can get into comedy
1: and have and you ever just, have you ever went and and, went and seen the the night with Kevin Smith? I've seen it twice, Steve. Like I, I'm that big of a fan of his and the way he can tell stories for that long and keep you interested. Like most people, like stand up is usually short. Like to do an hour for a Netflix special for a stand up comedian takes a long time, and for him to do something similar where his stories are both captivating and funny. Takes a lot of work, and and for him to do it as many times as he has, and the tours that he 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 has done, it it shows his gift as a, a a storyteller. Now, I don't, I love Kevin Smith. Don't get me wrong, but like Tusk isn't a great movie. It's okay. It's got it's got a cult following now, and it has its moments. Like Red State's an interesting movie. And has some great performances in it. But his his most more recent stuff just hasn't grabbed me the same way his earlier stuff has. So I'm curious to see if this is a recapture of that that honesty that you were talking about, Steve. Or if it's going to manifest itself as a, a sequence of cameos. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, going to yep. be he's poking fun at the whole idea of... Sequels and 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 the whole idea of the Hollywood the Hollywood scene and that that's a tough line to toe. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, yeah. it can it can fall into over the top parody where that might not be what he was going for. I don't but know. The, I, I the agree. Trailer, but the trailer for all of his movies have been terrible. Like the the, tra- <laughs> the trailer for Ball Rats is garbage. Like there's no reason that trailer would would kind of spurn somebody on to go watch that movie chasing amy doesn't look like the heartfelt at the time kind of forward thinking about sexuality movie that was done at the time it was like the trailer portrays it as kind of a crass comedy and it is but it has a lot of interesting conversations that were going on whatever year that came out 2000 2002 like the, yeah, the, there's a
0: ton of depth in that movie. Sure. I only I, I made it about halfway through um, last night, but you know, I've seen that movie <laughs> dozens of times. But, sure. And it holds up, you know, yeah. um, other than, you know, like the cell phones and stuff, like or, <laughs> the, the big old brick phones. But then again, we watched Breakfast Club. You know, that was part of the summer, uh, the summer movie list, list that we yep. came up with. And we watched that, and there's like no cell phones, the computers in the back of those big Wang computers, yep. like the big just... What, ma- did, the,
1: what did they think?
0: Uh, well, Charlie's not here, but Maya loved it. Did she? Yeah, and yeah. of course she immediately like kind of, kind of clicked. I think with with Ali Sheedy's character. Ali Sheedy. Uh, yeah. I was gonna
1: say which uh, one is it because I was clearly Brian. <laughs> I was clearly Anthony Michael Hall's character where I tried to be Bender, but I it wasn't. It's, it's Steve. <laughs> I tell you, the more you watch Goldbergs, the more I realize that I was Adam growing up because like if I gotta know, watch a
0: Goldbergs. I saw that Kevin Smith directed a couple episodes of the Goldbergs
1: yeah he did and and but it's just smart it's smart comedy about what it's like growing up in that time and it has a lot of interesting family dynamics and it's a lot of it's based on his real stories too and so like a lot of at the end of the episode, they'll show his home movies recreating. Or that the show had recreated. Like you see him make like cooking videos and you're like, all right, that's just a cute little throwaway. But then they'll do a side-by-side comparison to the one he had. I think he has thousands of tapes. Like his mom bought him a video camera when he was like 11 or 12. And he's documented like his entire family's life. So it's been frames of reference when they go back to recreate it. I and mean, they do a really good job of it. And it reminds... The dynamic of the family reminds me a lot of ours. Like, obviously, we're not Jewish; we're Roman Catholic. But the the power, the the hierarchy of the family the the mm. daughter is o- the oldest, which in ours the daughter was the middle child. But it works. Yeah, you're kind of Barry. Let <laughs> me watch it. I'm, I'm right, definitely... I
0: better watch it. So, who's that? Who who plays Barry?
1: It's uh, uh, it's it's the brother. It's Barry? I think his name's something genteel. I right. what his last name is, but he's the older brother, and then and then Adam is the the younger brother, and even to the glasses, Steve. Like there's times where he he's wearing ladies' frames, and they look like the glasses that I had when I was oh, nice when I was in fourth grade. So <laughs> sorry, to digress
0: So, but it, and so going back to your point, so you know, looking at the trailer, and he talks about it. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just take his podcast and put it in here, but I did like listen to that one story. The other thing he did mention, and this kind of. Goes back to Goodwill Hunting, right? So um, it's like Gus Van Zandt directed Goodwill Hunting. Right. Um, and then right after Goodwill Hunting, so Goodwill Hunting won uh, uh Oscar. They got best. I don't know. They won, they won a bunch of stuff for I probably should they it. They won a
1: here. best original screenplay. I know that. I don't know if he won for best director, and I don't know if it won for best picture. I don't think, for some reason, I'm thinking Robin Williams got robbed for best supporting. I don't think he won for that. Did he? I don't know. I'm pulling it up now. Okay. Oh, I don't think true. they did. Gus Van Sant's hit or miss, man. He made that he made that shot for Shot remake of Psycho. Well, with, so that's the funny on. thing,
0: right? So that is what um, that's what Kevin Smith talked about. So they did. Uh, Robin Williams won Best Supporting Actor. Okay. And Damon and Affleck won Best Screenwriting for the, for the screenplay. Best,
1: best screenplay. Yep. And they
0: got nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Matt Damon, Best Actress, Minnie Driver. Best director Gus Van Sant, uh, film editing, best music. So
1: Ooh, good. Elliot Smith, nice. So um, cool. Yeah, so Gus, Gus Van Sant or... it. Danny Elfman, the composer, was in it. No, he did.
0: Uh, he did the dramatic score. Oh, well, he was nominated. I thought you Danny
1: said he was in it. No. But, but Gus so, Van Sant made a really good, a really good uh, high school. Sh- I know it's weird to say those in the same sentence, but a, a sh- it's about a high school shooting. It's a movie called Elephant. Where mm. he it, it it took place he sh- he made it I want to say shortly after Columbine, and it was all kind of based about those ugh, dude it is it's a haunting movie he does a lot of it in extended takes where he walks along with the kids that are doing the shooting and it's ugh. but he's hit or miss man he's made some really really great stuff and then he's made some duds so
0: right well and, and Kevin Smith's point was that Gus Van Sant made the shot for shot remake of Psycho. After coming off of *Goodwill Hunting, where he's mm-hmm. nominated for an Oscar, you know, that movie was all over the place, like picture of the year type of stuff. So he was riding high and he kind of made a shot for shot remake of Psycho because he could, you know, sure. like, let's like see well, what I can do. And, you know, you're going to thot...
1: <laughs> the hubris that you show that think you could either top or improve on Hitchcock is some balls <laughs> and that. And it backfired. Badly, I don't.
0: Yeah, but I think the point was he wasn't trying to top or reboot. He was trying to make Hitchcock relatable to a newer audience because nobody's watching Psycho.
1: Then it's their loss
0: because it was black and white, and it was you know. So he was trying to modernize it. I think was the 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 the, the point Kevin Smith made, and he told that story because the reboot was going to be. Kind of this I you know, the idea of the, the first Jane Silent Bob strikes back was they were gonna make a blunt man a chronic movie and they were going to stop it, right? Right. So now they're twenty yeah. years later, they're gonna re- reboot the the, well, the movie and they gotta go stop it again. So that was but the remember hey,
1: the it, the point of the, the first one was that they had to go stop it because at that point in time all the adaptations of comic books had been garbage. Like this was before oh, right. Mar- it's like free, was before was before Iron Marvel. Man. Yeah, before Marvel turned into Marvel, so like that was the whole idea is that they had to go and stop it from being made because every adaptation up to that point, outside of like you know like Donner Superman or Tim Burton's first Batman, like all the other secondary characters had all been adapted into terrible into Daredevil (laughs) with with (laughs) Affleck. So right,
0: it all comes back to Affleck. Well, and then of course Kevin Smith got his tie-in with Daredevil too, right? And he. He did some TV series stuff for them, or short films, and well, he, he did wrote some comics.
1: He wrote the comic for a while. He actually directed a couple episodes of The Flash and Supergirl. Supergirl, and right? I think a couple. I think of the girl from
0: Supergirl is in the new in the reboot.
1: Yeah, she is the new Chronic. She's the, the girl version of Chronic. I oh, believe. Muse, right? Right. Yeah. So, so
0: anyways, he was telling that story because he had started out with this reboot. It was he was going to do almost like a shot for shot remake? of the original one just to see uh, if he could do it. Uh, <laughs> and then he ultimately changed it and made it, you know, something a little bit more deep and personal with, you know, having his daughter in it and his daughter plays Muse's daughter in the, you know, in the, like, uh, Chronic's daughter and all that. So,
1: yeah. We'll see. So, so like good. Said, James they're... Silent
0: Bob Strikes Back was not my, it's probably one of my least favorite of his movies. And I haven't seen Tusk. Um, Tusk but... is
1: weird. Tusk is, it's Michael Park. Uh, did you see Red State? I did. He's the guy that plays the leader of the cult. the The guy that gives that really good speech on stage when he's like he's the, about the end of the world. Oh, horror, right. yeah, it, yeah. It's the same guy plays like this mad scientist that Justin Long responds to like a thing about. Mm-hmm. Ch- and, and he tur- basically turns him into a walrus, like slowly starts mutilating him to become a walrus. It it sounds really weird, and it, parts of it are terrifying. But it's just it misses, and it was getting, based.
0: It was based on some true stories too, of things that had happened. Right? I mean, it's nice. Like, insp-
1: inspired by true events. Yeah, yes. yeah. But
0: it was based yeah. on some walrus guy or something that
1: there was some there was some dude that was apparently trying to make human animal hybrids by just stitching them together which i'm that's not a, a biologist well, doesn't work <laughs> <that's> <laughs> because, a little freaky yeah so but no like it's but it's it misses a little bit justin long's good michael park's great but it's just missed and the, yoga um, I, I haven't seen yoga hosers so i can't
0: i have, I have not anything. seen that yet either so i haven't seen tusker yoga hosers i've seen all the other ones it's been a while since i've seen red state i just remember that being a you know, it was a decent movie. I think it was a pretty like, but it was a pretty. It kind of pushed the limits. I think it was a little. It was it kind was, of like dogma. Like you can clearly see he was bumping up against the lines and everything, which I give him a lot of credit for.
1: Well, um, sure. And it wasn't. It wasn't only that. It was the same boundaries that he was. He was pushing with dogma. The the whole idea of the religious right, but also stepping into a genre he had never touched before. So like the 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 true people that went in looking for a horror movie got a Kevin Smith horror movie and I don't think knew how to take it cuz apparently the one he wanted to make was way weirder than the one that we saw like the one the, the apparently the script that he wrote uh, what at the very end when John Goodman is I actually forget how it ends in the movie but I just remember it stuck out that apparently the 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 bells of heaven or the horns of heaven were supposed to sound And the four horsemen of the apocalypse were supposed to show up, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have the budget for it. So all you get, (laughs) all you get is the horns and then it just kind of ends and you're like, wait, what? But it's that's supposed to signify the coming of the apocalypse that he was right all along, but they didn't have the budget for it. Right. So like that's yeah. weird. Yeah, and,
0: he, <laughs> and I think, but I think he's able to, uh, you know, to do that subject matter. Like, and again, I think of all of his movies, and and, and this is what we've talked about on the podcast before because I had it, and it it, it it's gone. As I had a copy of Dogma, you can't because it's in it's in Disney Miramax hell, right? The mm-hmm. Weinstein brothers actually personally own the rights to it, and they're not releasing it. Um, uh, on any streaming services, the DVD's long out of print, so you oh. you know, you gotta get it off of eBay or something. Or go on, you know, find a find a download of it. Or have it um, on
1: VHS like I do.
0: Oh nice. But really I mean the cast in that movie was you know you still he had Affleck and um and Damon oh, still coming up, right? I mean this was right around the time of um Goodwill hunting, right? I mean if you look at yeah. Dog was ninety nine in Goodwill Hunting was uh, 97. 97. Yeah. Hope, so, yeah. So you got them. You've got George Carlin, right? <laughs> he was great. And I, I like the fact that Carlin was in a couple of Kevin Smith's movies, right? He was in Jersey Girl, too.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, he was in, uh, and of course, in Dogma. Um, the idea
1: of him dressed like a cardinal was great. <laughs> he was a priest. And
0: no, Atlantis Morissette is God. Um, yeah.
1: He was a, it wasn't just a priest, Steve, he was a cardinal. <laughs> right. And he was a, he was a, I think either a cardinal or a bishop. And he was like that's that's what I mean like the idea of George Carlin playing a a bishop or a cardinal is so funny in its own right. Exactly. But, yeah. Alan Rickman um and then uh was it Linda, was it Florentine the uh,
0: Florentino. Yeah, that played the, I remember Beth, Bethany. Thing. Yeah, yeah, right the, the, the descendant vessel. of Jesus, yeah.
1: The woman in the PJs, do your job. <laughs> it's a terrible Alan Rickman, but
0: and the uh, and then you know and then we talked about it before and um, and you know the name of the three um, the th- one of the three demons Could you hung out with one of them.
1: Yeah, it's the Stingy and Triplets yeah that's right that's the barrett, barrett, barrett hackney they, they, yeah. they, if, if you would have been there and everybody even around me was like how did you pull that out you seem to be slight, slightly inebriated and i was like i've seen a lot of movies and i just happened to really like kevin smith and barrett was like i like kevin smith too i was in his movie i was like yeah that's why we're friends dipshit <laughs>
0: that's funny um oh let's see what else so dogma would be a top of my list
1: for for him um Dude, my and, my son my son is named after Brody Bruce from Mallrats. Like, yeah,
0: that's good good point. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. Yeah, there is well, there, there is that whole thing.
1: Well, so originally, like, we were gonna call him a different name, and then Aaron took a called an audible late right when we were getting ready, and I said, "How about Brody?" And she was like, "Okay." And she was like, "With a Y? I said, "No, with an IE," She's thinking that she wouldn't even go for it. And she was like, "Oh, I like that." And then they, we spelled it with an IE, which is. That's how Brody Bruce in, in Malrat spells the Jason Lee's character, which in, in turn is named after Chief Brody from Jaws. So it's like two levels of nerddom right. already, bu- already built into his name. And they're like, well, why do you spell it with an IE? And I'm like, well, okay, it's, he's named after Chief Brody from Jaws, but he's actually named after a character named after Chief Brody from Jaws. And they're like, oh, <laughs> boy. Goes,
0: yeah, yeah. The, now we're going like into Inception here or something. Yeah, pretty much.
1: I always, like, anytime we we ever, when PlayStation, when you actually had to make, like, save profiles, it was always Brody. That's just always just the name that we put in. And it would always, like, after a while, it started, like, self-populating. So we would just save it. Like, built a boxer and Fight Night. It was Brody. Or built any of them. And I never thought it was. And then, so all of my friends from college were just laughing. They're like, really? You had to stretch to get Brody, huh? And I was like, I didn't think she was going to go for it. (laughs)
0: Nice. I'm going through the rest here. Uh, oh, I was going to talk about, so he did a Clerks the TV show, which I had that on DVD. It's gone too. Um, mm-hmm. I lost a lot of my DVDs. It was
1: okay. So. It, was, it, it was a little too, it had to be a little bit too vanilla to actually, catch. like he's he's dick and Fark jokes and you have to say the word dick and, you know what I mean? Like yeah, You yeah, have yeah. to be he, able to say but the but word But bring
0: dick. that back on Netflix today or bring sure. that back on another streaming service because there was moments in that that some of the humor and all that, like it was good. And I think I can't remember if we played it on this. Where we I, the whole the the court scene with Axel Foley and, and Judge Reinhold. Yeah. Lanhold. <laughs> yeah. That, there's a whole there's a whole scene. I'll post it on Twitter. Oh my god, it's my favorite. I think it's I actually just, posted it on Twitter uh, a couple months ago when I found it. But it's yeah, uh, it just uh, didn't
1: come out at the right time, and CBS just kind of mishandled how they were going to promote it and. You just kind of had to neuter it a little bit too much on right. broadcast television where, yeah, bring it back on like a half hour. Even like on Adult Swim or FXX. Like, I don't know if you watch Archer, Steve. I don't know if you still like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I've
0: seen, I I don't watch it a ton, but I've I've seen episodes of it. It makes me laugh. I mean, it's uh,
1: it's... It's consistently one of my favorite shows on television just because it's so random and funny and the voice cast. But they get away with a lot of cursing and a lot of... Risque. So you put that, you take that clerk show and you, the animated one and you bump it to 10 o'clock on a extended cable package and you could get away with a lot. Right. More, right. We but, can do stuff like
0: yeah. Awkward Teen Hunger Force did and, yeah, and exactly. South Park and some of those others. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um,
0: all right, just uh, touching on a couple others and I'm going to go back to clerks real quick. Cause I guess, again, I just watched it last night and, 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 and I, I, was, I was talking earlier, um, I, think I was talking with Janine about this, but yesterday we watched Breakfast Club and Clerks, and I was like, those are two movies that are completely carried by dialogue, right? I mean, sure. it is all dialogue. Like, Breakfast Club is, like, literally one, one scene, if you're a one, one location, and people sitting around talking. They kind of move around a little bit to keep mm-hmm. it interesting, but really, it is an hour-and-a-half conversation, a really good relatable conversation and clerks is kind of the same thing it's all in the convenience store or it's you know it's in the video store but it's it's all it's all dialogue and i think the big difference between those two movies and when you see them on screen and you watch them like i did almost back to back is there's a polish of course the breakfast club because of the caliber of actors that um john hughes all that stuff and then you look at clerks but it was made. I mean, the difference in budget and everything to get it made. The fact that Kevin Smith could make that movie, and it was completely carried by the writing and the dialogue. I well, think. Yeah, should...
1: the filmmaking itself, Steve. Like Kevin Smith will admit it, the filmmaking's terrible. Like the the idea of using those the title cards that he uses like nobody does that like that's like you don't do that anymore and like Mm -hmm. even the way the shots are framed and the the camera moves he was like there's no reason that I should move the camera other than I needed to move the camera like that's all (laughs) all it was (laughs) so like it's ostensibly a terribly made movie but the only reason it does work is because the dialogue is so authentic and so relatable that these two guys working at a Jersey convenience store in in video store which people probably can't even associate with anymore but the dialogue and the, the the conversation and the friendship is so authentic that it it resonates regardless of how poorly made well the the whole reason it's black and white is because they couldn't afford to replace the the fluorescent bulbs in the <laughs> and it would it would flicker it would look weird it would look really washed out and it would flicker right. but if you throw it in you throw it in black and white, it kind of mutes all of that where the lighting really doesn't matter anymore. And that's the only reason it, it could gloss over it. Because otherwise it would look even more amateurish than it is. But right. the the conversation about the two of them having about the stormtrooper and installing the water main and the, the plumber guy comes up and gives his two cents and then walks away <laughs> is still one of my favorite dialogues in a comedy
0: oh yeah because they're contractors they were victims Mm. because they were on it was like it was yeah that that great great bit of dialogue and that whole thing you know and i guess that's for for people out there that you know i i I think this is why it it impacted so many people you could take something that was not super polished but had super good dialogue and content and the dialogue and content and the authenticity of it, whatever could, could overcome the fact that they weren't top quality actors. It wasn't well mm. shot. It was like that scene when they're driving to the, I think they was going to the funeral home uh-huh. and the cameras, they obviously in the back seat and they're panning, yep. like manually panning from one to the other. Uh-huh. Like it's a little jerky. You're like, Oh yeah, this was made on a, on a shoestring budget. But I just think that, I think that opened up the doors for a whole bunch of people to be like, Hey, if I have a good idea and I've got a good story to tell, I can do it without having to get a quadrillion dollars to, to do it. And uh, what,
1: what number any, was that? A quadrillion. A quadrillion. <laughs> I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah. Katrillion. You know what I mean. But like, it it, <laughs> it, it it not only does it make it accessible to people to watch, but it, ma- it makes it feel like, hey, I can do this. And and that was one thing I really like about Kevin Smith. And again, I don't uh, I don't love all of his movies. Like anybody, he's got he's got good, and he's got not so good. But I think consistently, he stayed pretty true to himself maybe the exception is (laughs) cop-out right where that was that was tough i I think they they threw some money at him after zach and Marion before red state and and he's trying to direct a a bruce willis movie Um, yeah
1: and that just didn't work at all and tracy morgan's hysterical too like that's the that movie should have worked that kevin smith but apparently it wasn't his script no, I think he just directed it. Just directed it, and he he butted heads with Bruce a lot, and Bruce didn't really want to be there either. He was doing it for a paycheck. Like that's one of those ones you just hear the behind the, the scenes of it. And like I, at the time, I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, Kevin Smith has a new buddy cop movie with Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. Yeah, like I'm in. And then you see it, and it's like, the no,
0: he put uh, his name on it. Yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah. Unfortunately, but it was it wasn't him. But I think of the stuff that he's written, directed, sure. all the View stuff is all
1: is written. Really written's hard too because he's written way more than people even realize. Like the amount of television episodes and the amount, the amount of other projects that he's written where you never even really see his name associated with it is astounding. Like the yeah, didn't a, he
0: do like a Superman script? Yeah.
1: Oh, that was. He got that was right. That was back during that time. I think it was he was the first person to get brought in for the J.J. Abrams one called Flyby, which is dude. There was so many of these that got kind of stuck, and then they go back. There's a another podcast by Paul Shear, the guy from uh, the League. The guy that plays Andre on the league. <laughs> he plays the Plastic Surgeon. He has mm-hmm. a he has a podcast called How the Hell Did This Get Made, where they go back and they take like like solar babies or any of these movies that are just so bizarre. And and they go back and they try to figure out how they either got made or thank God this didn't get made. And one of the ones is Tim Burton was going to do a Superman movie with uh Nicolas Cage as Superman, Wait, it was like super psychedelic and, like, the, the Superman costume, like, flash different colors and stuff. It was, like, they got to the point of doing camera tests and costume tests, and there's still... If you look it up, Steve, you'll just start laughing when you see it, because Nicolas Cage has, like, real long hair. I saw, stuff. yeah, but, I've seen that.
0: It came out recently. I think some of that footage yeah. came out.
1: Well, and... there, was, there was a documentary about it, that just came out. It's the same thing uh, Andrew Jawadowski, or whatever his name is, was had one. He was going to do Dune with H.R. Giger, came in to do whatever. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. But Kevin Smith was brought into a script after they scrapped the, the, the Tim Burton one with, with Nicolas Cage. They brought Kevin Smith in to write it, and it was for J.J. J. Abrams to direct, and it was called like Superman Flyby, and then... It was something about, I think it was the Death of Superman arc, but then one of the producers came in and forced Kevin Smith to write a, a battle against a giant mechanical spider, <laughs> which they didn't use, but it ended up being used in Wild Wild West with uh, Will Smith. Remember that bad adaptation of the, the 50s TV show with Will Smith and I Kevin haven't Klein? Seen it, no. No, no, no! But don't you remember? It's it's always on the top like ten list for worst movies ever oh, made. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's a battle sequence with a giant mechanical spider because that's the one that was supposed to be in the Kevin Smith scripted, J. J. Abrams directed Superman movie that went off the rails. <laughs> so, But yeah, he's like he wrote that. I mean, he's run it. He's he's written a lot of stuff that never got produced, but he's written a ton of television episodes. He's worked on a lot of. I know he's worked on Arrow and Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl. Which, if you haven't watched Supergirl, watch it with Maya. You guys would like it. It's good. I don't watch it as much anymore. I love the girl that plays the girl that plays Supergirl. I think is like the cutest girl on television. Her name's like Melissa Benoit, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She was yeah she was on the panel with them at Comic Con because she's in the new she's in the
1: reboot. Adorable. Like there's everything about that girl just makes me smile. So, but you and you and Maya would like it.
0: Cool. I'll add that to the (laughs) list. I mean, you know, I I go through things like with these, particularly with these long, like these seasons where I get behind. Like I really was into the Flash. Yeah. Like I really liked the Flash for the first like three seasons, and then I had to wait and whatever, and I got
1: sidetracked. I just don't have a ton of time, so. Um, Yeah, and it lost. I used to watch it religiously. I used to watch that and Arrow. If you don't watch Legends of Tomorrow, Steve, you owe it to yourself because it's one of those ones that it doesn't take itself seriously. And so it really has fun with the idea of these kind of some of them don't have great powers. Some of them don't have any powers. And then there's a couple of them that are really powerful and they kind of they just travel through time and they try to fix things. And it becomes like a quantum leap with superheroes, but it makes fun of itself a lot. Oh, nice. Yeah, what was that time. called? Le- Legends of Tomorrow. All
0: right, I it's, that to my,
1: if my you watch Flash, it was it's Captain Cold. It's the guy from Prison Break that has the gun that you and then it's his like partner in crime from Prison Break, the guy that shoots the gun that has fire.
0: Oh yeah yeah like they're kind of they they were kind of like comic relief kind of bad guys in Flash yep. weren't they So oh, yeah.
1: just imagine a bunch of them put together like it's, it's like him and then it, I think Brendan Routh is the you know, guy that plays a guy named Adam which is basically like their version of Iron Man that has a suit that can kind of do Ant-Man Iron Man stuff but they make jokes about him previously looking like Superman because he was in the Brian Singer Superman movie Never mind. You don't watch pop culture stuff, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was, we were we were talking about something before, and I was like, oh, I'll just bring up Kill Bill. And I was like, I can't bring up Kill Bill to Steve because he hasn't freaking ever seen it.
0: Yeah, you know, that was one of the ones I was going to watch it on the plane. And I was like, there was like a kid sitting next to me. And I was like, I yeah. don't know that I want Tarantino. I don't want to be responsible for some five-year-old seeing Tarantino on a plane. Because they give you that big warning at the beginning. We yeah. talked about this before. So I was like, oh, I'll watch yeah. it all the time.
1: It's it's almost like a cartoon. The, the violence is so over the top. It doesn't. It's you know what I mean. It's not like yeah. Pulp Fiction where they hit the bump and shoot Marvin in the face, and then they spend the next fifteen minutes cleaning up his brain matter out of the back of the truck. But <laughs> it's ridiculous enough that like it's flying around. It's stunt foo and it's a lot of splatter and stuff. So yeah, you can watch it. How old was the kid? Like eight. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. It was it was old, <laughs> like, like it
0: was young enough where I was like, all right, this is a little bit like yeah. Clerks, where he slid the cigarettes to the four year old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring that back around. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I'm going uh, Any other movies you want to highlight from the, uh, the the Kevin Smith repertoire? There, like I said, there's only two I haven't seen. You know, I think the fr- there's there's, there's the, the the Jersey Trilogy is the strongest. Dogma, of course, is my favorite. I really liked Zach and Miri make a porno. So did I. Um, I thought there was stuff with that. I even like Jersey Girl. I haven't watched it in a while. I know that one mm-hmm. kind of got groans from a lot of people because it was J Lo and Ben Affleck. But yeah, and it was it was a rom com. I mean, it was it was. I think when you see when when Kevin Smith maybe goes too far in one direction, but I mean George Carlin's in it. It had some it had some endearing moments uh, in it. Um, not my favorite, but I didn't think it as awful as people thought said it was.
1: No. No, I mean it wasn't good. <laughs> like, I, wouldn't, <laughs> he, I wouldn't rank it anywhere near the top half of his no of his filmography. But I mean, outside of like the original ones, like it just seems like I love the the original stuff. And as it's, he's gotten more prolific, I'm not as like I, I saw. I haven't seen Yoga Hosers, and I have no interest in seeing Yoga Hosers. So I don't know. All right. I might, I might give that one a try. So, um, as, as we wrap up on Kevin
0: Smith, and I do want to talk about Goodwill Hunting a little bit, there is one other thing that this will be your fun fact for this episode. So, um, bringing us all back to our, our, our hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania. So, uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. Um, there is, uh, I think they have seen it. I haven't seen this movie probably since it came out. Like, I think I saw it in theaters. Um, uh, there's a scene where they kind of run into um, the mystery machine in the of Scooby Doo. And the guy who plays Fred, Mark Blucas, from, yeah, he's from. He's from Gerard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a eerie boy. He used to play. Uh, he was like a year older than me. He was a really good basketball player. Went to Wake Forest, I think. Yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah, he was in a bunch of movies. He was, in Bu- or he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer prior to being in, in, in James uh, Bob Strike Back. But, anyways. Uh, that's th- your fun fact for this, for this episode was, uh, an eerie boy done good and <laughs> got into a Kevin Smith movie. And I used to, I think I guarded him once or twice in CYO basketball, like in elementary school. No, you didn't. I did.
1: No, you didn't. I did. He, would, he, he went to St. John's Gerard.
0: He would have you up. He did. Him and, um, Joey Jett, they destroyed us. But anyways, <sighs> I could play defense. I just couldn't dribble or, you know, shoot. Like, no, All right. Garbage.
1: What? You are a garbage basketball player. Shut up.
0: Wait. Do we want to go down the who won the last time we played one on one?
1: Yeah, dude. And then you then you have to go back. Who won the hundred times before that? It doesn't matter. Yes, it does. The Cavs still that beat most, the Warriors. No, that mo- most certainly matters. <laughs> that most certainly matters. If your record is is one and a hundred, and you won the last one, It can't be the only one that you talk about. You can say it. Go ahead. Right. Keep keep running your mouth. I, I will still school you.
0: All right. So we need to I think we need to take this. We need to take this battle in the in the sport. So there was a uh um uh, segwaying off of Kevin Smith and just do a couple other things here as we wrap up. So last episode, we talked about the the picture I found in the garage of the 93 Browns that I posted on Twitter. Remember?
1: Yes, yes, talk, I remember talk about talking that. Yeah,
0: about yeah. that, yes. Yeah, yeah, so I posted it on Twitter, and, and there was a bunch of people in that. Like, you look at that photo. So uh, Joe Thomas and, and Andrew Hawkins, uh, both former Browns that have a show called The Tomahawk Show on LeBron's uninterrupted network, um, had a bunch of codes from Madden 20. And they were basically, so you had to retweet and do a hashtag Madden 20, and then you had to put a random Brown in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, and my random brown—I can't remember if we talked about this last time—was Pio No. because yep. he yep. was in that picture, and it was the funniest name. So, the two winners were um, that won the free Madden was one guy who did. There was a guy who played for the Browns, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Nice,
1: and, and then, running back wasn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah. And okay. then there was there was the guy a guy right before me posted Pio Sagapulatelli. He won the other. Madden, Aww, code. so
1: <laughs> lame. I missed it
0: by like tw- I want to say like twenty minutes. And yeah, but and Joe- you had a picture. I know. I was like, I wanted to kind of contest, be like, hey, I had a picture with him in it yeah. and highlighted, but uh, I didn't get I didn't get credit for that. But I was toying. I haven't probably played Madden in fifteen years. I think the last Madden I had was Madden two thousand four, which would have been for is that the PlayStation two? Probably. Ooh, yeah, it might have been the GameCube. Right. I think it, I might have had it for the GameCube.
1: The last one I had, I think Calvin Johnson was on the, was on the cover. So I think it was like 2008. So. Yeah, that was a little more recent. So it's I don't know if you have any
0: interest in, in getting Madden 20 and going toe-to-toe. I don't know that I'm interested in playing any of these kids that play constantly because they just get destroyed. But <laughs> I cool. think it would be fun for us what? to go toe-to-toe in a Madden 20.
1: Play it on what, though?
0: You, you don't have an Xbox One?
1: No. I have an Xbox 360. <laughs> oh, no, is that still a thing? Dude, I don't game. Like, I, <laughs> dude, I, I haven't unpacked my Xbox since I moved the last time. So I moved into my 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 house before the house that I live in now like five years ago, and then we moved to this house like two years ago, and it's still in the same unpacked box. Like, I have a bunch of games in there I used to play constantly. I used to play Madden, or I would build myself in Major League Baseball or in whatever it was at the time, and like play myself through the minor leagues. I used to play all the time, but I'm like a kid, and I like doing other stuff.
0: Right. Oh, I know. Like, I'm right there with you. I. And, but there was a time right, right before kids and all that where you know, sure. it was not uncommon to sit and play for hours and Ever. hours. That's and, all
1: and- I used to do. When, when, Rem- when I lived in Pittsburgh, Renfrey lived across the street from me, and that's all we would do. We would get a case of beer on Friday night, and we would drink it as long as we could playing God of War or uh, Assassin's Creed or any of those games and just play it. 12 hours, drink as many beers as we could, sleep on his couch, wake up, do the same thing. <laughs> do it again. Rinse, repeat. Right. But, yeah. Well, I, and I if, remember if in... I had an Xbox One or you want to buy me an Xbox One and Madden, sure, I'll play you and I'll right. whoop your ass.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's not happening. <laughs> um, no, unless we can, if, if I can get a, if I can come up with a free game code somewhere, maybe I will, uh, we'll see if we can score you. I used one. Um, sure. But I go back to when I was at it was when I was in college, I think Bill Walsh college football, which still <laughs> to me was like that was the game I, I think I like that better than Madden um, particularly we could play with like you know, Bo Jackson and and all that and uh, we would have these battles like it, it was and I can't remember so it would have been like Bill Walsh college football like 94. <laughs> I think it was the, the year we played, and we would go like it would get brutal. And, the, and when, we, when I lived in the Spam House, where we would just go back and forth on it, um, the, the the smack talking, and it was it was it was a lot of fun, but it got it got way serious. Um And Steve, that was you don't
1: it. you don't have to talk to me about getting serious playing video games. Do you remember that we had to replace our Nintendo controllers because I bit them?
2: <laughs> I used to get oh, so, God, I
1: forgot about that. so angry when I used to play like Mega Man or whatever that where I couldn't figure out the pattern, and I would do it so many times and I would get so frustrated. I would either smash it or I would take it and I would. Was that Metroid? It. No, or Mega was it Mega, Mega Man? Man? Mega Man. Metroid wasn't as bad. Met- Metro- or Mega Man has these these patterns that you have to like they end up getting like the even i think it's Mega Man 3 or i forget it might be two is considered one of the hardest games ever created just because the patterns are so hard to decipher and so like the later the later boards are almost impossible so i remember that was one of the games that made me bite the controller like people used to come over and play and you would like hand up a controller that had all these bite marks on the <laughs> outside of it. I'm like, oh, did your dog get this? I'm like, no, I bite it when I get mad. Shut up. And I would just hand him the controller. But yeah, you don't have to talk to me about getting serious about right. playing games or getting angry while playing games.
0: Oh, so that, good good time. So I'm looking at, you know, I'm toying with the idea of getting back into it. But I think a game of Madden is like, like 30, 40 minutes.
1: Yeah, around there.
0: So, but if you play a game of like, apex legends or call of duty, whatever you like, like, like eight ten minutes, 10 eight minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in and out. So,
1: well, so my next, the, the I'm waiting. Cause I, I don't think I'll even get an Xbox one. Cause I really want to, I want to start getting into VR, man. I I'm curious. I I tried it the other day and I was kind of intrigued by it. And then I saw the, the walkthrough or the hands-on review of the new iron man game where you're iron man. <laughs> <Like> that's <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. what it is. Like the, the readout is his heads up display and the, they got the, the voice actress who played Friday and all the Avengers movie or all the most recent. Cool. And like, that's, but Steve, it's apparently, it's almost completely open sandbox. So you can fly anywhere you want. Like, it'll tell you where like missions and stuff are, but you can go other places if you want. And the way you fly, like it's, it's for PlayStation VR, which you get those little control sticks Yeah, yeah. where you hold in your fist. But that's how you fly. So you put it down at your side like it's the repulsor rays. And that's how you. <laughs> that sounds fucking amazing, dude. Like they were telling me about, they're like, that's the closest that you ever felt to flying. And I was like, all right. So I, turned, I, I read the review and I said, I, I was like, okay, so we're getting PlayStation. She goes, what? And I was like, I want VR. And she was like, that's like $800. And I'm like, yeah. And it's going to be worth it.
0: I, you know, Charlie's got a VR. Um, did you try it at all? Did we bring it when we were up? Yeah. I can't remember. I, yeah, I tried it. Every he's time he the...
1: busted it out, I, I just put my glasses on.
0: <laughs> so no, right. I, yeah. I
1: can't really do VR glasses.
0: Yeah, so it, it's good. I mean, he's got the one that's self-contained, right? So a lot yeah. of the good stuff, he's got. you've gotta you got to have it powered by like a PC or a game. Well, console. Yeah, like
1: but... PlayStation 4 or 5 or whatever, 15 exactly. or whatever they're on now. But that's what... The one that I played, I played the Batman game. I played the Batman game on PlayStation 5 or 4 or whatever it is. But did you know that if you're standing there and you start faking or mimicking that you're throwing batarangs up in the air, you can juggle batarangs? No. <laughs> you can stand there and you can flick it up in the air like you're flicking like a drumstick or something up in the air and you can catch it as you're walking through the game. You can just start throwing batarangs in the air. Nice. That was awesome. It was the first time so I... Maybe- I
0: Maybe I need to branch out and get a PlayStation 4. I haven't had a PlayStation since we had the PlayStation, the PS2. And I, I yeah. still have a box of PS2 games here in my office.
1: Like, sure. I think I have Grand Theft Auto 2? 4? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Dude, I still remember the original. The top down looked like it was like 2D. And it was all from the top down and people would come in and we would just go on murder sprees. It was just like when well, you had a rough day at school, we were in college. You used to come into our room and you would just be able to like, all right, I need to kill a bunch of people. Everyone's like, what is wrong with you guys? You blow off some steam and then you'd be fine. You'd go back on your day. But then, Grant's yeah, you had Otto. to get up to
0: the five stars and yep. the helicopters and the army coming after you.
1: Yep. And see how long you could last. Once you hit five stars, you would start a timer. I was like, "All right, let's see how long you can last before you get run off the road by these giant, giant tanks." Yeah.
0: Well, now you got me in the mood to game for sure. Um, and with with Charlie being out of town, I get I have the Xbox to myself, so that's good. Nice.
1: We'll go game.
0: Well, cool. Is there anything else uh, no. you want you want to get to? We covered what I uh, what I wanted to cover. Um, Talk about the great Kevin Smith. Again, I just uh, to kind of wrap this up, put a bow on it. You know, I think the, the thing for me that, that I like about Kevin Smith and, and I think it's he kind of sets an example. Like it's OK to not, like everything doesn't have to be uh, an Academy Award winning sure. um, product, but to consistently put out stuff that you that you're interested in, that you want to put out, um, make the movies that you want to see. My type guy. of thing. Um exactly. I think he's done that as good as anybody and he stayed he stayed pretty, pretty true to that over the, the the course of his career. So um kind of curious to see how uh, uh the reboot goes. Um and then to see what he does
1: afterwards. So fingers crossed. I hope the trailer is just crappy and the movie itself is good. But like I said, all of the trailers for all of his movies have always been crap and I've always liked them. well most of his movies. So fingers crossed.
0: Cool. Yeah. So we'll we'll report. Oh, and he's doing a um uh he's going around and showing this because I don't think it's going to show in like it's not being mass released. I don't think. Um, I have to check, but I know he's doing a tour. Like mm-hmm. if you go out to his, the website and you can go, he does one of his spoken word things. Him and Jay in, in Muse, they're going to show the movie and then they're going to be there showing the movie. Interesting. Let's see. If
1: I, he's got to be coming through here.
0: Yeah, and I the 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 Seattle one though is not till like I want to say November or something. So I think the movie comes out in a couple of weeks, or you know, comes out maybe it comes out in like September or something. Um, and but it's Seattle's way late in the tour, um, which you know I don't know if I want to wait to see it or not, but we'll, see. Yeah, we'll it'd be, see. It'd be it'd be that'd be a cool experience. in the in the theater that they're having, it's a small theater where I went and saw Henry Rollins do one of his. Spoken War towards this old converted like movie theater that has a balcony in it. So it's like a art deco style. Really cool, small, intimate venue. It'd be great to to do something like the uh the reboot with and have him there talking.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm gonna look well, I'm gonna look into these tickets to see if I can find if it's coming around here at all.
0: Well, cool. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode. This is uh this is we're getting towards the end of season six. Um, yeah. Big and, episode uh,
1: next week, dude.
0: So we're gonna do we're gonna do a season finale. Yep. Season six is gonna end uh, on episode twenty five. So
1: when the world gets turned upside down, so what, what? What does that mean? Is it gonna I, be? It's gonna be a Chris takeover. That's fucking right. I'm taking this bitch over. You're gonna have to do homework. There's gonna be guests. There's gonna be soundboards. You're gonna have quizzes. It's gonna be great. Or I'm oh, gonna be boy. lazy and do, and do nothing, and then I'll just talk more than you. We're gonna do
0: <laughs> We're gonna do guests? Like who are you thinking of guests? Are we gonna I was guess? thinking
1: about Jen, possibly. Our sister. Our sister. She has okay. yet to be on. Because originally it was gonna I was gonna bring my friend Benny on, but that really doesn't follow within like the nostalgia. Like I've known Benny for twenty years, but he also said no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about the other person that's been along for most of our misdeeds yeah. or misdeeds and exploits So our, I have our sister on. Our, Although our I think our middle child yeah. yes the one that mike needs to thank us because she can do all dude stuff well she can yeah, play cards exactly. and shoot pool and darts yeah you're welcome yeah that's us but we'll see so next week chris is taking over all right so next
0: week season finale which will be episode 25 chris is chris is taken over um yeah. and we'll wrap up we'll wrap up season six but we'll wrap up this episode first episode 24 uh, follow us uh, on Twitter at MatchWits, uh, W-I-T-T-S. Um, go to MatchWits.com. I do need to post, I think, the last episode, the last two episodes to the, to the website. Um, yes, I, I was, yes, you do. It's, well, on, we,
1: it's on iTunes if you guys follow us on iTunes. But other than that, you are S-O-L.
0: Well, no, but it, it, when, <laughs> we, when we publish it, it goes to iTunes. It goes to Google Play. It goes to Spotify. It goes to Himalaya. It goes to all the subscription services. I just don't have it on the
1: website for people who want to download it manually. Or, but, or on, or on on Twitter
0: and I'll get it up there oh and I gotta put it on Twitter and I'm, I'm starting to tweet more a little, a
1: little? The,
2: get yeah, more more baby
0: than steps. zero more baby, than zero is baby steps more well with with training camp starting and the Browns uh-huh. being back in action uh-huh. uh, I'll, I'm in on doing a little more tweeting um, and talking about the Browns and uh, looking well, forward to seeing them uh, uh, this uh, this fall
1: yeah yeah we got our tickets so. I'm so excited. Yep. So we'll be—I'll be back on the East Coast
0: sometime this fall to go see the uh, uh, the Browns uh, play in Cleveland, and uh, Chris will be with me along with uh, our dad and brother-in-law. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it. Uh, I guess we wrap it up by saying, uh, Chris, take us out. Adieu. Later. Later.
2: When the night Tumble.